before we begin, you should know that we're about to talk about suicide for a while. We're going to get pretty in-depth. There's no gory details, but in case you're sensitive to things like this, consider this your trigger warning. And in the U.S., if you're in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or contact the crisis text line by texting TALK to 741741. Pat is an overpaid tech bro, like pretty much every white boy who lives in Seattle. He's a software developer who knows a little bit about tech, but mostly just excels at feeling overwhelmed by the world's many, many problems. Paige is a literal rocket scientist. She's a software engineer for a private aerospace and space transportation company. While she's not an expert in the topic we're discussing today, I hope you'll take her word for it when she assures you that she's done her research. Each week we learn about one of the myriad problems ruining the modern world. But instead of succumbing to existential dread, we'll explore what we can actually do to fix them. These issues are terrifying, daunting, and seemingly insurmountable. But through a combination of individual efforts at varying degrees of commitment, yearly, monthly, weekly, daily, maybe they're actually surmountable. Today's topic is suicide. Suicide has become an epidemic among everyone, but mostly among men. So quickly, before we begin, in the U.S., as I assume all five of our listeners are in the U.S., if you are in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255 or contact the crisis text line by texting TALK to 741741. To start out, here are some of the numbers. In 2017, 47,173 Americans killed themselves. That's seven times greater than the number of American soldiers killed in the Afghanistan and Iraq wars between 2001 and 2018, according to statistics published by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and a cost of war analysis published by Brown University. On average, a suicide occurs in the U.S. once every 12 minutes. Suicide rates have been increasing since the late 90s. While murders get a lot more attention in the news, suicides claim two and a half times as many lives in the U.S. alone. In 2017, the rate was highest for men between the ages of 45 and 64, 30 per 100,000, and for those 75 and older, 39.7 per 100,000. The age-adjusted suicide rate in 2017 was 14 per 100,000 individuals. In 2017, men died by suicide 3.54 times more often than women. On average, there are 129 suicides per day. White males accounted for 69.67% of suicide deaths in 2017. In 2017, firearms accounted for 50.57% of all suicide deaths. All of these statistics are published on AFSP.org, which is the website for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is attempted three times as often by females, and women are also more likely to have suicidal thoughts. But still, the suicide rate is almost four times higher for men than women. Firearms are the most common cause of death for males, and poisoning is the most common cause of death for females. Lesbian, gay, and bisexual kids are three times more likely to attempt suicide than heterosexual kids. 41% of transgender adults attempt suicide. 
The suicide rate is also 1.8 times higher in rural areas than in urban areas. And a 2015 study in the Proceedings of Natural Sciences found that the suicide rate among white middle-aged American men has increased dramatically in recent years. Among Native Americans and Alaska Natives, suicide is the eighth leading cause of death across all ages. From the age group 15 to 34 of Native Americans and Alaska Natives, suicide jumps to the second leading cause of death. So clearly we have an epidemic on our hands. Specifically, though, I think it's worth talking about male suicide and why, in countries around the world, women are more likely to be diagnosed with depression and to attempt suicide, but the male suicide rate is so much higher than female suicide rate. In 2016, which is the last year the data is available from the World Health Organization, there are an estimated 793,000 suicide deaths worldwide. Most were men. In the UK, the male suicide rate is actually at its lowest since 1981, but it's still at 15.5 deaths per 100,000. And suicide is still the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45 in the UK. For women in the UK, the rate is only 4.9 suicides per 100,000. And I say only, but that's still a huge bummer. That is a lot of people. It's actually the same in many other countries. Men are three times more likely to die by suicide in Australia, three and a half times more likely in the US, and more than four times more likely in Russia and Argentina. Only one and a half percent of countries show a rate that high for women. Psychologist Jill Harkavy Friedman, who's the vice president of research for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, says as long as they've been recording this information, they've seen this disparity. Women in the US actually reported a suicide attempt rate of 1.2 times as often as men, but since male suicide methods are often more violent, I mentioned a couple sentences ago that men are more likely to die from handguns and firearms, these suicide methods are much more violent, which means they're more likely to be completed before anyone can intervene. Access to means is a big contributing factor. So in the, in the U.S., 6 in 10 gun owners are men, and firearms account for more than half of suicides. And as we've mentioned, more than 80% of these suicides are men. So there's a definite correlation there. One of the biggest contributors to the male and female disparity in suicide rates um, could be caused by communication and societal expectations. So there's a big, um, or not, maybe not so much in recent years since we've become a little bit more aware as a society of how we treat men and women and boys and girls differently, but societies in general still tend to encourage men to be strong, not admit that they're struggling, not ask for help. Um, there's a lot of boys don't cry, real men insert stereotype here. Um, there's the idea that men and boys need to be strong and powerful and never show weakness or vulnerability. Coleman O'Driscoll, who's the former executive director of operations and development at Lifeline, which is an Australian charity providing 24-hour crisis support, says, we condition boys from a very young age to not express emotion because to express emotion is to be weak. And so that kind of gets internalized through the boy's entire life. And then they become a man who still thinks that crying is weakness. And I feel this way and I can't talk to anybody about it. And it just kind of festers. 
or I feel this way, and I'm the only one that feels this way, so I better keep it hidden. Yes. Right. Because you can't talk about your feelings. Which sucks. Talking about your feelings is great. Um, Everybody should do it. Yeah. It's nice to know that you know, you're not the only one that feels that way. You're not alone. And hopefully, like, part of our... I, th- I think the trend is that the it seems that older men are the ones who struggle from this the most or struggle with this the most and um hopefully like the increase in access to information and the increase in access to like communication between people and connections and support groups online like just the resources that are available while still being able to remain anonymous um maybe could be super helpful and i know there's a lot of like apps for therapy like talkspace is one of them where you can text a therapist and you don't ever have to see somebody face to face you don't ever have to like go anywhere i think stuff like that is going to be um really transformative hopefully as it gains more traction in the next couple decades yeah i really hope yeah i really hope that is trending toward the positive direction. Um, you know, you mentioned anonymity, which I think is really important. Um, I can't remember who it was. I was listening to a podcast the other week where the host said something like, I don't have any problem with telling a doctor that I'm struggling with depression. I have the problem with telling the insurance company that I'm struggling with depression. And obviously mental health services through insurance it's a whole other can of worms another episode we could talk about entirely but you know i think that that really struck a chord with me because i agree with that i it's scary to have you know the bureaucracy know what kind of things you're struggling with especially something as vulnerable as that so that actually kind of leads me into some of my next points really well men in general actually tend to keep Men in general actually tend to seek medical care much less frequently than women, and they're less likely to admit to themselves or others when they feel vulnerable. So I see a doctor for almost everything. My husband will see a doctor once a year for a regular checkup and call it good. And even that is kind of because I make him do it. I had a regular checkup two years ago, and I'm still still riding on that. I was good then. I'm probably still good. Yeah, nothing's changed. So because of that trend, they're a lot less likely to know about their mental health conditions and things that may put them at risk. Um, Again, if you're not talking to anybody about the way you're feeling, then there's no way for you to know that you're not the only one that feels this way. There are resources available. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with you. And there's nothing wrong with seeking help. Um, another thing, men are twice as likely as women to meet criteria for alcohol dependence, which it's a well-known link between, um, depression and an increase in impulsive behaviors and alcoholism is a known risk factor for suicide. And then in addition, there's also another societal expectation globally where men are supposed to be able to support their families. So especially like middle-aged men are more likely to be married and have kids and, have families to support and they're generally expected whether externally or internally generally expected to be able to be the breadwinners health insurance is linked to employment 
unemployment means no access to affordable health care, which can lead to suicide. Depression in general and mental health issues can lead to decreased work performance, which makes you at risk of losing your job, which again can lead to unemployment, which can lead to loss of health insurance, which it's a perpetuating cycle that is really bleak. So yeah, we could have a whole other conversation about <laughs> health insurance and why healthcare is so expensive. And according to a National Institute of Health 2015 study, for every 1% increase in unemployment, there's a 0.79% increase in suicide rate. So that's, I think, caused definitely by that link in health insurance and employment. And maybe we could all benefit from universal healthcare or at least cheaper healthcare costs. And then one of the other things is how we talk to children. So women and mothers talk way more to their girl children than their boy children, and they share and identify feelings. So girls are conditioned from a very young age to be more open and emotional, and boys are more likely to be playful and not as focused on their emotions, which when you have that uh, like blueprint at a very young age, it's really difficult to grow out of it. Um, there also could be biological differences. We all know that men and women have different hormones, different brain development and function, but for things like suicide, men and women are often studied together. So I think we could benefit from um, some changes being made in the way those things are studied now that there's this like huge discrepancy that's been identified. Um, Studying male and female suicide separately and male and female depression separately could be really helpful in kind of identifying where these things come from. So I've gone on for a while. I had a lot more um, articles that I read through about suicide in general, about how it's much worse in Generation Z than it was even for millennials. Um, obviously, it's been increasing a lot lately. Uh, but I focused on male suicide just because of the huge discrepancy and because it's been, I think, I think it's been talked about a little bit more recently than, than I remember as, you know, growing up, there's mental health stigma is kind of wearing off a little bit. And I think the slowest to catch up is probably like the military and even they are, um, going out of their way to have like resiliency training and, um, more access to, to mental health services, which I think is really helpful because especially military is predominantly men. There are obviously women in the military, but so many more military members are men and they make these huge sacrifices and then they come back from overseas or they come back out of service and don't know what to do with themselves. And they have been trained to be strong and fast and resilient and now don't know what to do with like the chinks in their armor and trying not to show that there's any weakness to them because it kind of goes so against like the idea of the American soldier. Um, so I think that's a, a nice improvement that's kind of in the works too, is uh, just the increase of availability and the decrease of stigma of mental health care in the military specifically. Yeah, I don't have a stat in front of me, but you know, I've been told for years uh, that oh, the vast majority of you know 
veterans who returned from like, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, far more of them end up uh, dying by suicide than have been you know, killed in the wars overseas. Why, yes, I did have a statistic about that. In 2017, 47,173 Americans killed themselves. And that's seven times greater than the number of American soldiers killed in the Afghanistan and Iraq wars between 2001 and 2018. So like one year of suicide is seven times greater than 17 years of combat. Um, But I think even veterans specifically. Yeah. So like how many of those 47,000 were uh, former service members? Um, Yeah. So when I was doing a lot of research from... uh, I was doing a lot of research on the website for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and I actually signed up to like be an advocate. Um, and that was actually one of the questions that they asked. They were like, how, how has suicide and mental health affected you? And one of the questions was like, I am a U.S. military veteran or someone I know is a U.S. military veteran. And then specifically, they also asked questions about like how you've been personally affected by suicide, um, which I thankfully have not had anyone close to me commit suicide, but I know that myself and a lot of very close friends and family members um, definitely struggle from depression. And um, so I think this is a topic that really hits close to home for me because uh, for whatever reason at this point in my life, I didn't end up being a statistic and neither has anyone that I know personally. Um, But that kind of leads me to what you can do about this. Um, If you yourself are struggling, know that you're not alone. Know that there's resources. Know that you can reach out to your friends, to your family to help. If you don't have any friends or family, if you feel like you're alone in the world, seriously, reach out to me. My email address um, is on the footnotes. Uh, We have our own podcast email address that'll go to both of us i'm sure either one of us would be happy to talk to you if you need to um there's a suicide prevention hotline um there are services available to you locally nationally anonymously or not anonymously um and we'll post some links to that in the footnotes too one of the easiest things that you can do is talk to your friends I'm going to put this one under no time commitment because you are usually already talking to your friends. It doesn't take a lot of effort to keep in touch. Nothing really has to change here except maybe a few details. Depending on how close you are, ask how they're doing and really listen to them. Pay attention. Have you noticed any changes in their behavior, their habits, their drinking, their hygiene, their hobbies? Have they gone through anything lately that they might need to talk about? Know your friends and pay attention to the signs and what could be cries for help. And really, really listen to them. And follow up. I think you stressing really listen is super important. Um, I know after a lot of high-profile suicides, celebrity suicides, um, there's a lot of push to get the, the hotline out there and tell people, if you're struggling, speak up, which is obviously super important and super helpful. But there's not really a push to the other side of that where if it's if your friend tells you they're struggling what to do um so listening is hugely important to that so thank you for pointing that out yeah and the um 
the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and the Suicide Prevention Lifeline website have really good resources about this, how to start a conversation, how to continue a conversation, how to follow up, um, how to tell a story. Or is that for like, if you're like writing a fictional TV show or movie or something, how to portray it in a, in fiction? I didn't read that article specifically, but I think it's like like how to share experiences in like a less possibly triggering way, mm-hmm. I guess. Like if you're telling somebody who is suicidal about your own journey with depression and suicidal thoughts, like it might be good to stay a little bit away from the, the gritty details. Um, and so how to like kind of share that with a, with a different tone, um, things like that are really important. And there's training available for that that is available for everybody. So yeah, so talk to your friends and really listen. Try not to make light of depression, suicide, or mental health issues. Instead, acknowledge and talk about suicide in like an open and honest way so people know that um, it's nothing to be ashamed of and it's not funny and it's nothing to joke about. And I think this is really important because we do tend to make jokes about things that make us uncomfortable. And sometimes that's fine. And sometimes it's not fine. And so I think just knowing where that line is and knowing your audience is really important. I know that it's a common refrain or common quote-unquote joke on the internet to say, oh, you know, just kill yourself. Um, But don't. You might think, yeah, you might think, oh, I'm just joking and not saying that seriously. But the person who's receiving that comment is possibly receiving that from thousands of other people and no matter how many times you hear that quote-unquote joke you hear it that many times that's that's gonna weigh on you so just be intentional with your language especially online i had a situation my freshman year of college where i had a group of girls that i was friends with and then wasn't friends with anymore and things got ugly and super emotional and I had um, a voicemail from one of the girls that said I was a worthless piece of shit and I might as well kill myself and I didn't obviously but I was I was going through a lot of things then and I felt like I had nobody to turn to and I felt like the people who I used to have to turn to had now turned against me and I really internalized that and I think that really hurt for years and she just thought that she was being mean she didn't really think that she was like really doing a lot of long-term damage um so i think things like that are really important like you don't have to get along with everybody but just be really mindful about the way you interact with people because you don't know especially with people that you're not close to like you don't know what kind of struggles people are going through so just i think that we should take like the kill yourself phrase just entirely off the table for like fighting insults everything like that's it does a lot more damage than i think people realize yeah people pick it because it's it's a mean thing to say you pick it because it hurts but it's i agree it's let's retire that phrase because you can't take words back um and then Another part of talking to your friends, individuals are more likely to feel less depressed, less suicidal, less overwhelmed, and more hopeful talking to someone who listens without judgment. Um, And that's from the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. 
and their website is suicidepreventionlifeline.org. So the most important thing that you can do with no time, no extra time commitment, or maybe a little bit of extra time commitment if you haven't talked to somebody in a while, is talking to your friends. Uh, another thing you can do is vote for things that matter. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has a list of bills they support that relate to suicide prevention. There's actually like a ton of them. They're like banning conversion therapy, um, like more support for... Um, I'm going to get some specific names here because I didn't write them down and I should have. There's a lot of things that you like a lot of bills on here. Native American suicide prevention act is very obviously a suicide prevention act, but the therapeutic fraud prevention act of 2019, which is banning conversion therapy that is not on its surface, obviously a suicide prevention act. So there's a lot of bills here. Um, that are supported by this organization that um, it would be really, really good if a lot more people knew about. Um, and one of those is trying to get a three-digit suicide prevention hotline number. So the suicide prevention 10-digit phone number is 1-800-273-8255. And there's a move to try and get that into a three-digit number. So 988 would be the direct link to the suicide prevention hotline. Uh, so that's one of the things that you can support. The National Suicide Hotline Designation Act, HR 4194 S2661 for the crisis hotline system. So vote for that. But if you want to dedicate a little bit more time to it, you can write to your representatives, call your representatives, email them, tweet them. Tweet at them, yeah. Participate in actions to raise awareness about um, the things that are in process and how and why we need these things, how they'll help. And this is why, you know, you said voting. It's why important to vote, you know, in every election, not just every four years in presidential elections. Yeah. Voting in, in midterms, in primaries, in, you know, special elections and voting down ballot. You know, I know people who said, oh, I didn't vote in 2016 because it didn't matter. I lived in a red state, but... You know, there was more on those ballots than just the presidential election versus those two people. There's a lot on every ballot that's really important. And, you know, it can be really overwhelming. But Ballotpedia is a great website where you can see what's on your ballot before you get it. If you don't have a vote-by-mail state, you can bring your phone or paper with you into the ballot box. It's not the SATs. You're not cheating to have to look stuff up. You can bring in resources that you know what you're voting on. That's a good point. There's no time limit either. I know people don't like waiting in line, but this is important. So I think it's good to look into it a little bit more. So yeah, if you want to vote positively for change, because um, a lot of, I would probably say most change happens on a local level, but you don't feel like calling or writing or reading a lot of articles or doing a lot of research or whatever, um, definitely check out the list on the website, afsp.org, for a list of the bills they support and why and what they mean. And then when it comes time to vote, do it. Like, get out of the house and vote. Um, not just every four years, because there's important things to vote on every year and your voice matters and on everything. Um, there's also a lot of places where you can donate, AFSP.org. Um, money helps the foundation continue to do what they do. And then the Suicide Prevention Lifeline is actually made up of a national network of local crisis centers. So your donation will go to support your 
crisis lifeline in your local community. Um, so you can contact the local suicide prevention crisis center in your area to find out how you can donate to help to support them. Or you can also donate to the lifeline program as a whole, like on a national level. So those are the small amount of time commitment to some time commitment. And then if you really want to get involved, um, you can volunteer as a field advocate for suicide prevention, which is what I signed up for. And this is from their website. By signing up as an American Foundation for Suicide Prevention field advocate, you will become a vital part of a large grassroots movement of people who are speaking out for suicide prevention and mental health at all levels of government. Monthly email updates from our public policy office will alert you to the legislation and policies that need your support. Through a quick visit to the AFSP Action Center, you can then demand action from your federal and state public officials in a matter of minutes. They have a whole thing where you like you look up your representative, you can send an email right through their interface. There's not a whole lot you need to do, but it's really important that people do it. Join our network of thousands of field advocates across the country who are speaking out and fighting for essential policy changes that will save lives. We look forward to you joining our team. So that's AFSP.org. And then there's also ways to get involved with the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can volunteer to take calls or to like meet with people, help spread information, get involved on a local level or on a national level. And finally, once again, in the U.S., if you're in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or contact the crisis text line by texting TALK to 741741. Um, before we do our full footnotes, I just want to say, if you are aware of any resources for other countries um, or in languages other than English, um, please email them to us, tweet them at us, um, and we'll let us know. And we'll we will retweet them or put them in the episode description. So people who are outside of the U.S. or uh speak other languages can find these resources as well yeah i decided to only vocalize the u.s version because otherwise it's a lot of words to say but we will have more information and footnotes for people elsewhere thank you for listening we've been your hosts Paige and pat our editor is lorenzo lalamarmo whose last name i really hope i'm pronouncing correctly because this is actually the first time i've said it out loud our intro song is Feeling Dark Behind the Mask by Looped, spelled 700P3D, which I only know how to pronounce because there's a pronunciation guide on their SoundCloud page. You can check out our footnotes for this episode on anchor.fm slash don't be afraid or in the description of the episode wherever pods are casted. We'll post links to the articles we referenced today as well as some further reading. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at don't be afraid pod and email us at don't be afraid pod at gmail.com. That includes if you feel like talking about anything about what we posted or about what we talked about today. If you have any questions, comments, or expertise in any field, don't hesitate to let us know. We'd love to talk to you. Just be nice. There's enough negativity in the world already. <laughs>